And uh, the theme for January, for our, for our preaching, for our teaching, is all about vision and vision for the year ahead, vision as a church. And that's what we're looking at. It's the beginning of a year, a new year, and it's a time where naturally we, we make plans, we get a vision, we talk about resolutions and what we want to do, what we want to achieve, whether that's as individuals, families, business, and as a church. We want to know what God's plan is for us. You can say amen. We want to know what God's plan is for us, because we know if we follow his plan, it's going to go all right. We'll get somewhere. If we don't have a plan, we're not going to get anywhere, if we don't have a vision. And we'll come to that in a minute. But what a privilege it is to be part of God's vision for the earth. I think we lose sight of that sometimes. It can become a drudge. We can forget the reason why we're here, what we're doing, what we do, and things just weigh us down. A bit. It's, a, it's like Nancy was saying, and, and God needs to just brush the weight off of our shoulders so that we can actually feel, yeah, actually, this is amazing. The God of the universe chose us to be a part of his plan, to be a part of his vision, to be agents for change, for the good, to extend his kingdom. What a privilege that is. And we're all part of it. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. So does God have a vision for us for this year? Somebody said, of course, I like that. That's attitude. Of course he does. And does God have a vision for all of us to be part of it. I like that. You're, you're learning. That's very good. He does. We've all got a role to play. That's the amazing thing. Everyone has a part to play in this ministry. It doesn't belong to one or two, but everyone has an important part to play in this. But it's important to have that vision in the first place to get that direction from God. It's a biblical principle. And in Proverbs 29.18, it says, without a vision, the people shall perish. It it's actually leans pretty much without a prophetic vision, the people perish. The people cast off restraint. Nobody knows where they're going. The principle is there. We need to know where we are going. We're here for a purpose, we need to remind ourselves of that and of the privilege that we have. And we need to seek God. Now, 30 years ago, I was a, still young and a young Christian. And I desperately wanted to know what God's will was for my life. And I cried out to him so much. Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to change my generation. I want to have an impact for you. Funnily enough, at the same time, over in Brazil, Miriam was playing, playing the same thing. Absolutely amazing. And some, in some miraculous way, he put us together, and it was quite explosive, really, wasn't it, darling? I'm talking about in ministry sense. Yeah. <laughs> and we got on with it. And it was a blessing. It was amazing. It was an adventure. 
And it is an adventure walking with Jesus, isn't it? Well, it ought to be anyway. If it isn't, then something's not quite right. It's an adventure. But that was 30 years ago. And it's not the same today. Some of us can look back maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years and remember a time when God was revealing his will, his vision, his direction, and we were passionate about that. But then other things come along, distractions, and we kind of lose the thrill of it all. We lose the passion of it all. And it's not, it's not an embarrassment. It's not shameful to admit that because it happens to all of us. It happened in Israel's history. And this is just a very, very short message, I promise. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's that Brazilian standard. Yeah. <clears throat> Make yourselves comfortable. Uh, very short. 586 BC, Jerusalem was... No, 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 that's not when Eric and Anne got married. Sorry, we're not, we've, we've gone past that bit. We're going back a bit further now. 586 before Christ, Jerusalem was invaded, it was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, and, they, and the people were taken off in captivity to Babylon. And they spent almost 70 years in captivity when miraculously... God put it on the heart of the king to send some of them back again to rebuild the temple. Amazing. And they went back full of joy, celebrating that they were going back home, that they had a purpose. They were going to rebuild the house of God. And they got there, and they got on with the work. About 538 before Christ, they were there. They were working. They started to work on the temple, getting the house of God ready. But then by 520, roughly, they still hadn't really got very far because they got distracted by other things. And God raised up a prophet with a very small book in the Bible. Anyone know who that was? Cool. We've got a mixture of, no, of names there. It's all of them, actually, but we'll go with Haggai for the moment. And... God gave him a few messages, and the first one was to raise himself up in front of the people and say, look, God sent you back with a purpose, to build the house of God, but you got distracted by your own plans, by making things comfortable for yourselves, when the thing you were sent to do is actually still in ruins. It's about time you got moving again, come on. And the people did the right thing they recognized where they got it wrong. And, and they repented. And they said, yeah, we need to get back to what we were supposed to be doing in the first place. And it says in, in the first chapter of Haggai that God then stirred their hearts and their spirits to get on with what they were sent there to do. It came after they had acknowledged that God was right and they were wrong. Sometimes that's the order we need to take. Sometimes we wait for God to stir our hearts when actually God's saying, actually, you need to put something right first. And around here, you're going to see some opportunities to do that in a minute. It's exciting. No, it really is. 
So the people, they've been distracted for quite a few years. And then God raised up a prophet to say, come on, let's get on with the priorities here. Let's get the right things going. And then everything else is going to fall into place. You watch and see. And that's exactly what happened. They got on with the building work. They rebuilt the temple. It didn't look as good as the last one. But it was the house of God. It's what God wanted. And it was where he was glorified. And it was a blessing. Now, like that group, we've all been called by God to a purpose. To extend his kingdom. To build his church. Do I get an amen for that one? Come on. We're called with a purpose. We're called with a purpose, but we get distracted very easily. Let's be honest, don't we? We do. We get distracted very easily, and God sometimes needs to give us a nudge and say, come on, let's get our priorities right. And I think that's why John Wesley came up with the Methodist Covenant Service. Now, every year... Since the middle of the 1800s, 1700s rather, sorry, the 1700s, the Methodists have had an annual covenant renewal service. And they get together at the beginning of the year, they take communion, and they pray together, and they pray, um, can we have the, um, oh, that's a good slide, I like that. So I forgot about that one. Um, yeah, can we have the next one, please? Right, sorry, the writing's a little bit small, but hopefully you can um, read that. So in the middle of their service, when they're taking communion, they, they pray this prayer. It's, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. Amen. The language may be a little bit strange, but the heart of that prayer is, Lord, I'm back again. I'm back again because I realize I've got my priorities wrong. And I want to just put myself back in that place where I can be used by you for your glory, for the extension of your kingdom. And I think that's a good prayer to start the year with. So I just want to give you couple of minutes to read through that, if you can, because I say the, the letters are a bit small. Sorry about that. And in a second, if you want to, we'll pray it together. But I don't want anyone to feel obliged that they have to, okay? It's something that you do voluntarily before God. And you don't have to speak it out loudly if, unless you really do want to. You can pray it in your heart. God listens to your heart more than he listens to your words. So I'm going to pray this one more time. If you want to pray it out loud, then please do. If you'd rather just pray it in your heart, then that's fine as well. 
But if you could at least say amen at the end, that would be great, okay? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. Amen. Amen.